I want to take a minute to tell everyone about the app that helps make this show possible. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Most importantly, it's free. I always got to lead with that. If you're new to podcasting and feel a little intimidated by the whole process, Anchor doesn't charge you a dime to set up an account, so it's a great app to use while you get your feet wet. You also don't have to be an audio engineer to produce your own show. Anchor has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your own phone, tablet, or computer. You can do it anywhere. You can do it in your bedroom, fit into your closet if you can, go into a garage. You don't always have to have a fancy studio to uh, make a podcast happen. You really just need something you're passionate about and a chance to click record. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Music, Spreaker, Overcast, and many other platforms. You don't have to go log into each account and submit an RSS feed. Anchor takes care of that for you. Not only is Anchor free, but you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. I've been doing this show for 10 months and I've already been able to quit full time at my day job and just work part time. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one easy to use place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Remember, that's Anchor, 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 like from a boat. What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 18 of Cake and Conversation. I'm your host, as always, Jay Vite, and today's guest has a, a truly amazing story. I feel like I say that every week, but every week I feel like it's truly amazing to get to talk to some of these people. I'm excited to share a piece of it with you all today. I know for sure I'll be able to sit down with him again in the future and continue on. But before I introduce him, I must start off by saying thank you for checking out my show. If you're a first time listener, it means a lot to me that you've decided to give me a shot because I understand that in today's world, there's unlimited options with regards to entertainment. To all my returning fans, thanks for staying loyal and riding the waves with me. The show's well on its way to really paying off. If you want to have a chance to have your voice heard on a future episode of Cake and Conversation, you can send me a voice message by clicking the link on the show page. I love hearing from you all, whether it be positive or negative. Either way, I just like getting the little notification that says you have a new voice message. <laughs> and then I have the option to add them to episodes if I'd like and if the person is OK with it. Also, on that same show page, you will see the support the show link. Click on that. And be sure to sign up to help me continue to make this show successful. It's growing week by week. And I have some guests lined up specifically the next two weeks that I'm obviously really excited about. And any support I get goes directly into improving the quality of the show. To update everyone on my daily battle with not drinking, as I record this, I'm currently on my 10th day with no booze. My previous record was 18 weeks, spanning from November 9th until March 14th, and now I'm attempting to at least hit 19 weeks. And that started on May 31st on a Sunday. Again, 
just like November 9th. Seems like on Saturdays seem to give me a good reason to not want to drink anymore after that. Since I've stopped drinking again just in the short 10 days, I've been a lot more active with running. I've also been sleeping better, even though recently I've had a few weird dreams. Overall, I've been sleeping better. I have ideas running through my head all day with regards to this show, and I'm always thinking of new ideas and angles and ways to approach it and to expand it and to make it grow. Needless to say, this show is very important to my sobriety and my overall mental health. And if it wasn't for everyone checking it out and being supportive, I might still be self-medicating with a, a gorgeous bottle of Tito's and some ice. So thanks again for pressing play. The guest I have for this week is a lawyer by day and a DJ by night, which is the first time I've ever heard of that combination. Uh, Rodney Brown, also known by his stage name, DJ Hearsay, which is a lawyer term. I find that awesome when he pointed that out. He's a juvenile public defender for Harris County, specifically helping out those that cannot afford their own private lawyer. He brings it up during our conversation, but I was amazed when he told me that he knew he wanted to be a lawyer as early as eight years old. I don't know about you, but at eight years old, I was probably watching Rugrats or Hey Arnold. But when Rodney was eight, he was watching Matlock every morning. <laughs> Before all of you young people listening, pause the show and Google what the hell is Matlock. I'll save you the time by saying that it was a show about a lawyer and was 100% not geared for little kids. As someone personally who still doesn't totally know what I want to be when I grow up, hearing that story from him was mind-blowing to me. He got his start DJing a little later in life than most do. Normally, you feel like it's like an early 20s, late teens thing when you kind of get the interest in it. But he always knew he had a knack for reading people's emotions and trying to adapt to his surroundings and, you know, like read the room. He discovered one of the ways he could bring joy to others was by playing the right song at the right time. I personally could not imagine what it must feel like to work 60 plus hours a week as a lawyer, especially with the pressure and responsibility that comes with defending juveniles, and then turn around and DJ during any spare free time. I'll also add on top of that that he and his wife recently gave birth to a baby boy, so I'm sure you can imagine how intrigued I was to get to know more about how he balances everything going on in his life because that's something I always try to not struggle with but try to improve on is having a proper balance I think we can all relate to that if he could only have one type of dessert for the rest of his life he decided to go with red velvet cake and I knew I had to hit up Daniela Barrera to help me out for my loyal and returning listeners she's the same lady who donated the tres leches cake that I needed for my Garrett Brown episode two weeks ago because she works for an establishment called Cravem Cakes, located in Lake Jackson, she refuses to let me pay her personally because she made these desserts in her free time. You know, I want to compensate her. But because she has strong morals, <laughs> she told me, you know, she, she can't accept any money she wants to donate because she enjoys the show and likes the cause. I told her I'd do a shout out for her employer, Cravem Cakes. And if you're in the Brazoria County area, look them up for all your dessert needs. I'll have another little ad for them in the middle of the show. I got to sit down and record with Rodney this morning at 10 a.m. before my bar shift at Bogey started, the way our schedules lined up, it kind of worked out and it made sense because that's where I met him. 
and gave me a chance to see what it would sound like recording there as well because i might want to record there in the future because of the convenience no lie uh, around 10 minutes into the conversation the bar phone started ringing i didn't really plan on that but no worries because after a short break we picked up right where we left off and easily kept talking for another half hour with that in mind i won't take up any more of your time here's my conversation with rodney brown aka dj hearsay <laughs> So when I was, uh, me and you were setting up this episode, I was asking you about your desserts. I believe you said like key lime pie, or you mentioned cheesecake also, right? right. And then you said red velvet, and I brought it up to you. So if you could only have one the rest of your life, what would it be? And you went red velvet instantly. That's correct. And you're working on it right now. What do you think of this little cupcake we got whipped up it's for good. you? It's good. It's good. It's got that homemade touch. Uh, flavors are just right. It's got that uh, cream cheese uh, icing. You mentioned, uh, just quick off air, you mentioned something about coconut. You pulled off, uh, what, what's in there it's coconut? The cocoa. It's the cocoa. Uh, homemade red velvet's one of the tricks to making that taste right is cocoa. And all the reason I know, and, all, and the reason I even picked this dessert was because my mom was known in my community for making one of the best red velvets around. And I've watched her bake it so many times that I can tell when it's a homemade one versus a box cake. Yeah, so you yeah. can tell it's not pre-froze or pre-mixed right. and stuff. Right. Yeah, the uh, the friend that made it for me donated to the show. I've mentioned her before two weeks ago is Daniela Barrera. And right now she she works for Crave Cupcakes down in Lake oh, Jackson. All right. And you're familiar with the Angleton, Lake Jackson area. So did you have you heard of Crave Cupcakes before? I have. Okay, so yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. That's where you can find her for now until she eventually, I know, starts her own bakery. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about your mom. Um did you come from like a, a large family growing up, like a large extended family or um, kind of a small, tight knit? My immediate household was just uh, mom, dad, uh, my older brother and myself. But both of my parents had a number of brothers and sisters. So um, my mom came from a family with six siblings. Um, and then my dad came from a family of five siblings. So you're talking about six kids in one household and then seven kids in the other one. Um, So as a kid, even though it was just me and my brother in my home, we spent so much time at grandma's house with all of the cousins out in the country. So you say out out in the country, where is that at? From a small town called Aiken, South Carolina. Oh, okay. Uh, It's a a short drive from Augusta, Georgia. It's really close to the border of Georgia and South Carolina. We got that small town vibe growing up. Absolutely. Um, for the most part, a country boy, you know, and that's where I got my work ethic from. My, my granddad had a few acres of land and we raised watermelons and goats, hogs. <laughs> uh, uh, we grew black eyed peas, lima beans, corn. Uh, and if and if you were there soaking up his good AC, you also went outside and went to work. Yeah. Yeah. Early, too, and long Early. hours. So we've been we've been talking a lot, and now I'm just now learning. You probably got a green thumb as well. Then we've got a lot of other talents, but the green the green thumb is important. Um, what brought you down to Texas then? When did the family decide to move down here? So the family never moved here. Okay. Uh, I moved here um, for law school in 2004. Uh, essentially, I wanted to be an attorney since I was eight. Wow. So, so um, I went to undergrad in South Carolina at a school called Winthrop University. Winthrop Eagles, uh, and um, pr- 
prior to me going to college, um, I visited Houston twice. I visited on this basically just church trip. And we came back again a few years later on another church trip for like a national convention or something. And then there was one more time uh, in high school where I was a part of DECA. I don't know if you have DECA out here. It's like FBLA, but for marketing. Okay. Uh, and so we won some kind of regional competition. And at that point in time, we flew into Dallas, Fort Worth and spent a weekend out there. But my idea or impression about Texas was something that I was comfortable with if I were to move. And so I came out here to uh, visit Thurgood Marshall School of Law um, at Texas Southern University, got here uh, and got a scholarship. Um, and that sealed the deal. OK, uh, with the scholarship, my out of state tuition at Thurgood was cheaper than my in-state tuition in oh. South Carolina. Well, no scholarship in South Carolina then or no never. scholarship yeah. in South Carolina. The uh, well, that made it an easy choice then just sure numbers is. wise. It's like, cool, I get to branch out. And a lot of people at that young age, a lot of people do want to go somewhere different, especially coming from a small town. It's like I kind of want to see the world. I think when you're up and coming, you need to be on your own at some point to realize, you know, to, to at least be able to prior, prioritize what really matters. Like um, you have to learn how to cut out the BS and just and I think everybody at some point in their life has to have a moment where they can focus on oneself. Uh, and in law school, especially your first year of law school, it is survival of the fittest. Um, if, you, if your grades aren't high enough, you can curve out and not come back to law school for two years. Um, that's, it's not that way at every law school, but a number of law schools have some kind of cutoff rate. Um, and so being that it's something new, you don't know what your competition is your first year of law school. You, you might be... You might have a B average, but you don't know if everybody else has a B average, too. Okay. Um, so you definitely want to make good numbers and have a good rank in school. And so you're focusing, you're giving your all full time, uh, putting your nose in a book and making sure you can make it work. That's really important mm -hmm. that first year, too, because a lot of people in their first year in college, that's their first party year where you're dropping out after year. So it's good on, on the law school aspect to weed out the people right. that don't really want it. Right. Because right. it's going to be, that's it's not labor intensive. It's time intensive, mental intensive, the long hours of law school. And it is mentally exhausting. Um, law school is like learning a new language. Uh, you can be a police officer and go to law school and don't know what the hell you're talking about. Um, you might be familiar, familiar with some terms because you've seen them, but you don't know how to think like a lawyer. You can be a paralegal and you can have the same issue. Um, it doesn't matter. In fact, I tell people all the time, the one course that ever helped me with understanding law uh, in a manner or means that I could just routinely use or apply was logic courses, philosophy courses, um, because they taught you formal logic. Um, and I, I remember there was this one course that I took regarding formal logic. And you would basically take a three or four sentence paragraph and we chop up that paragraph and make each statement like a formula. And at the end of that formula, we, we were able we calculate it and we'd be able to find out what the flaw is in the argument. And so sometimes you have to pick out something that seems fine. And then you realize that there's actually a flaw in this argument. Um, I, I think that was the, 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 the only subject that really uh, gave me something that I could truly take with me 
into the LSAT and into law school. Yeah, it's almost like a, a form of you like puzzles or to a certain extent, like solving a riddle a little bit. Absolutely. Um, it, it, it demands that you think in a more concise, uh, formal manner regarding an argument um, uh, or really anytime you make a statement, because a lot of our statements can be flawed. Yeah. Like our sound bites that we hear on faith, uh, hear on the news and see on Facebook, many times the headlines are flawed. And then we're going to read the article and figure out what's really going on. Clickbait. Right. Of and, course. But, but the same thing happens in when we normally speak. We might say something, um, but that doesn't mean that's the 100% ironclad rule. Yeah. Right. And so and we have to learn to think in that manner. We have to identify the exceptions to the rule. So how did you know at eight years old? Very confident when you said that eight years old, I'm a lawyer. Eight years and old. Stuck with uh, I'll never forget it. I was home. I was sick. Uh, um, I'll never forget it because the way my house was set up, our, our heater vents were on the floor. They weren't in the ceiling. And my bed sat over my heater vent. Uh, in the morning, um, I wanted to watch TV. Well, it was hard for me to watch TV in my bed based on the way my room was set up. So I would get up in the morning and I'd be cold. So I would literally crawl under my bed and I'd turn my body to fa face towards the TV and I'd catch the heat from the vent. Well, that early in the morning during a weekday, there's back-to-back -back episodes of Matlock and Perry Mason. Actually, I think Perry Mason came on first and then Matlock. And so I was out for three or four days. Uh, my mom comes into the room one day. She's like, you like this show? I'm like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> uh, okay. So she walks out. A couple hours later, I'm still watching the show. I think it switched from Paramason to Matlock at this time. And then the next day, my mom asked me again, you still watching this show? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> do, do you know what you're watching? I think so. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, but throughout all of that, uh, the mystery, the figuring out things, the, uh, the suspense of it all is what captured me at first. Um, over time, it grew into a powerful you know, mechanism that I could use for helping people. Um, and so, uh, although clearly practicing law isn't like Paramason or Matlock, oh, yeah, uh, right. but over time, it, that was enough to inspire me to look into it deeper. I didn't know what a lawyer was. My mom told me that Matlock was a lawyer, right? And I said, okay. And uh, it was some time later that year when someone asked me what I wanted to be, and I told them I wanted to be a lawyer. And I've stuck to it ever since. That's cool. Um, as time went on, you know, when you grow up, you question everything. Like, is this something I really want to do? But um, my life track kept pulling me back to it, and I couldn't see myself not being a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. It was like in your DNA. Well, and you you like to you wanted to use it to help make a change or help others. So you get kind of hooked on the suspense and the riddle part. But your brain also is compassionate and empathetic to where how can I help somebody maybe less fortunate or just help somebody in general? Right. And specifically, right. right now you you work with youth. Were you telling me that yes. before? Yes, uh, I am a public defender uh, for Harris County Public Defender's Office in Houston, Texas. Um, I work in the juvenile division of, of their um, program. And so um, I only work with juvenile, juveniles who are indigent. Um, need to get that. Yeah, give me one second. We're going to take a quick break. I'm, I'm at work right now, so I'm going to answer a work call. 
I want to use this short break to mention a bakery in Lake Jackson, Texas called Cravem Cakes. It's Cravem with a K. An employee there named Daniela Barrera has been kind enough to donate the Tres Leches that was used in the Garrett Brown episode, as well as the Red Velvet Cupcakes for this week's episode. Uh, Because of her employment, she won't let me pay her for those personal recipes, and I don't want to get her in any trouble by mentioning this. But all I want to do is recommend that if you're in the Brazoria County area and you have any baking needs, be sure and order at Cravem Cakes and also ask for Daniela. You can call the store directly at 979-292-8229 and you can find them on Facebook by searching at Cravem Cakes. That's K-R-A-V-E-M-C-A-K-E-S. Cravem with a K. I know I mentioned it in the intro segment, but yeah, I'm at work right now. So if a phone call does ring again, I don't mind it. Uh, before we were interrupted, though, we were talking about working with the youth, specifically public defender and helping people indigent. Uh, that word specifically is like they need help paying for the lawyer, like can't afford a private lawyer. So exactly. So um, there's many ways to get a get an attorney under some type of indigent defense program. Um, most cities have court-appointed lawyers, which means you can run your own, the attorney can run his own law firm and still decide to take cases where the government will pay him to represent someone. Um, And when I was in private practice, uh, I did that a little bit uh, as well. And in fact, when you're dealing with juveniles, you got to think about it. They're not old enough to work. So essentially every juvenile could be indigent if the burden is on his shoulders to find his own attorney. Um, what happens is you'll, you know, a number of kids may have well-to-do parents that take care of that for them. Um, but nonetheless, I work um, in a department that only represents those who are indigent, and so we never have to talk about money. Right. We have to. We talk about their freedom. We talk about what they're doing in life. Um, you know, maybe pick out some of the bad decisions they're making and try to find ways to change that. Uh, and we work a lot with the families to make sure the families aren't setting them up for failure. Uh, a lot of kids that find themselves in the juvenile system, uh, it's not 100 percent the family's fault, but um, usually you can find where the family allow for this kid to be out on his own at 13 in the middle of the night when he should have been home with mom and dad. Right. Um, and it's not that that kid wouldn't try to do that on his own. It's a matter of how we respond to it and make sure, hey, look, you better get your butt back in here right now. You're going to be grounded uh, and catch it before it gets out of hand. Yeah, it's hard because, you know, some families have that power dynamic where maybe it's just a single mom and she's doing the three jobs and can't afford a babysitter. And, you know, you got to put as much good influence as you can. But at the end of the day, the kid's still going to make the choice, too. Absolutely. Just trying to, you know, make that work. Absolutely. And and what we find, um, and there's been multiple studies on this, but we found that although children know right from wrong, especially in the teenage years, they don't analyze the full consequences of their actions. They really don't get into the full consequence of their actions, and, and for boys specifically, until they're in their mid-20s. Yeah, well, that reminds me of the brain not fully developed until 25. Mm-hmm. And when you say a kid that they may understand right from wrong, but yeah, 
So if they have an issue where there's a 10 year ramification from that choice, they've only been around 15 years. They don't understand the grasp of a whole nother 10 years. Right. That's a lifetime for them. Right. Recently talking with my brother um, and not to get too much into that, but we were just talking, you know, last night. And he's like, man, a couple of choices I made as a teenager affected my whole life. And it's not about necessarily having regret. And you kind of can feel bad down on yourself, but you can't beat yourself too much up. It's a learning experience. You got to learn right. from it. But sometimes that does happen to where you make a choice and it impacts you 15, 20 years later. You know? And that's part of our challenge uh, in, in the job that I do is that when I come in, even if my uh, client is to be found guilty uh, in Texas, they don't call it guilty or not guilty. They call it true or not true. But um, if, if, for sake of the matter, if he's found guilty uh, or if the incident that he was in is deemed to have been true, uh, we still want to make sure the consequences aren't so much that we have made him a criminal now. Like we don't want, we want to make sure, even if the DA's office is throwing harsh punishments, we want to make sure we can reel that back in and get it back down to something that, that youth can overcome. Right. Hopefully they can learn from it, overcome it. If there's counseling, we'll get them counseling. Let's do the things to make him a law-abiding citizen. Let's not push him down this pathway to make him a career criminal. Just being used to being institutionalized. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, and it's easy, even if you're not institutionalized, labels mean a lot for youth. Um, if you're labeled less than, if you're labeled a thug, if you're labeled uh, an idiot, if you're labeled stupid, if you're labeled fat or if you label whatever it does so much to uh the youth's self-esteem uh it takes a very strong person to come in or, or sometimes a whole family to come in to really unwind the binds that they have uh and, and try to make sure they know that you you can be successful uh you're only this if you decide to continue to be this uh, you're only a bad person if you believe that you're a bad person because you have more life in front of you than behind you um, so it takes a lot to get uh, all of the mess out of a young child's head and get them into this idea of you can do better and be better. Yeah. You know, um, and, it, and it's not just one person. As a lawyer, I'm only in that child's life for the duration of his pending case. And sometimes I'll go back and call some of them and check up on them. But I'm a small window in, in this person's um, lifespan. So the hope is that a seed has been dropped and then whatever happened with that, someone else took that and picked up where I left off to hopefully keep a positive influence with that child. Yeah, a good yeah. mentor or like you said, right. positive influence. Right. So having to deal with a lot of kids coming from maybe harsh backgrounds or tough situations, it can be a lot of stressful or feel like you got a lot of pressure and responsibility. Uh, we all like to unwind in different ways. And how I met you is... Um, you're a DJ here at Bogey's where I work. That's right. And I thought it was crazy to me when I first, you know, I met you music first and we started talking, oh, what's your day job? And you're like, yeah, lawyer for the youth. And I'm like, that blows my mind because when you mm -hmm. think of lawyer, 60 hour work weeks, intensive, stressful, long hours, you know, it could have a negative impact. So your way to unwind is DJing. And Absolutely. I've always loved music. Uh, when I was young and in shape, I danced my butt off. Okay. Uh, um, you know, I was that kid that your, my parents would wake you up in the middle of the night when they got company and say, hey, Rodney, come dance for the guest. You know, <laughs> you had that uh, charisma. Um, and that was just one of those things uh, uh, I, I've always attached uh, to music. Um, music is something special that gives it 
gives energy. Like if you're if you're in a bad mood, um, I can change your mood when I DJ by playing a song that that pulls on your heartstrings or that that uh, gets gets you out of the funk that you're in. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I enjoy doing music. At first, it was just because I I enjoy the creativity and the style and the function and how it made me feel. But later, I realized that uh, I could I found a way to spread that energy with others like to um and how it all happened oddly enough you know you work at bogey's which is a, a restaurant and a bar lawyers we drink you know we 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 have meetings over drinks um uh we win a trial we celebrate over drinks or whether it be uh in a bar or a nice restaurant so there are a couple of places downtown near my private office that i used to have um, and we'd be in there and I'd just run the jukebox. And before you know it, everybody's dancing. Everybody wants to know, hey, where's the music coming from? Uh, who even thought to pick this song? Uh, and the bartender would point at me. And that happened so many times to mm. where the bartender said, hey, look, you have something here. Why don't you do something with it? And, I will, and for years, I didn't do anything with it. For years went by, I didn't do anything with it. And finally, one day I got off my butt and was like, you know what? Maybe I should at least give it a try. Um, on top of being a lawyer, I was teaching uh, at night uh, at a local uh, college. And, and one of my students worked at a pawn shop. And uh, I shared with them that I was thinking about buying something so I could possibly DJ. And a guy said, well, there's a little DJ board at my pawn shop. I get a discount. Why don't I just buy it and you pay me for it and you can use it. The money was right. So I bought it. Um, and after my students left at night, I still had another hour to go before I could go home from teaching my course. So I sat there and practiced yeah. at night um, and I just gigged all by myself just to kind of get a feel and a rhythm um, uh, and learn the software and the machine. Uh, and about five months later, um, I was DJing at a local uh, ice house. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, see, so that's something even later in life. Uh, what I like about my show is getting to meet and pick the brains of creative-minded people. And a lot of the time, you, you know, it's at a young age. And but so you, you're picking that up and so you're what? mid 20s or late 20s or whatever and you discover hey i have this kind of talent maybe it was a hidden talent obviously you had from a young age but you didn't get to fully get into it or discover right. it right all right and, and, and the chase you know i came from very humble beginnings um and the, the 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 challenge of getting out of the country and getting through school um uh, getting into a larger environment and be able to be self-sustainable um and being sure I could take care of myself, that was a real challenge. Finances were a challenge. Yeah. Um, so going out and buying DJ equipment was just not in the equation. Um, even if there was a neck earlier, there was no way I was doing it earlier. Yeah. You had to do the priorities right. first. Right. Right. Who are some of your influences music-wise? Maybe personally more so than, like you, you talk about DJing to fit the mood, but what's fitting your style, I guess. What was your first like taste of music or influence DJing wise? Uh, DJing wise, uh, I, I like a lot of hip hop, um, but as I've grown a little bit older, I like to go back and reach back to the origins of 
of hip hop. Uh, and, and in fact, it kind of just takes you down the rabbit hole where you start finding the origins of all tunes. Uh, the beauty of hip hop is that it, its origin really was created from other genres of music. So uh, hip hop was more than just music. It was a whole culture, but they grabbed disco artists and, and mixed it and mastered and created their own tunes. They grabbed uh, blues artists and did the same. And, and uh, sampling was a big thing in hip hop. Uh, and so um, um, when it comes to having inspiration, my inspiration is really just in the creativity of it all. Yeah. Like taking something that's, that's already there and you still put a touch on it, sort of like a remix. Um, because I'm not the person who's going to, well, not that I won't ever do it, but I don't know how to produce a track, right? Um, I don't have my own music that I've made from scratch to play someone. I'm not a vocalist. I'm not a rapper. But to still be able to have your creative touch, sort of like when you buy a nice car and you look at it and you say, hey, that car is perfect. And then somebody like uh, Hennessy Sports Performance or one of these organizations, they go in and they really pimp it out. You're like, I didn't even know that that could be done. Yeah. You know, and I think it's a beauty of it. It's, uh, the DJ portion is, is its own craft. Uh, but more so, the more inspiring part of it is still being able to reach other people with what you do. Positively. Yeah, chant effect moods. So I, as far as people that I listen to, I listen to uh, the gospel whenever I'm in a certain type of mood. Uh, I listen to a lot of blues and older music uh, because I like, like the sincerity of the sound. Um, I listen to old school soul, even though I probably play more hip hop when I'm DJing. Because that fits the current vibe. Right. right? There's something about right. a blues guitar getting back to that real quick. I love a blues guitar, man. Mm -hmm. I'm a, I love New Orleans a lot. And for some reason, I like a good, when I hear a good blues song, like some good Stevie Ray Vaughan or something, mm -hmm. I think of like, man, I have mm -hmm. good memories of being in New Orleans at 4 a.m. at a dive right. bar right. and just hearing that greasy, I, I say the word greasy, but it's just because it's expressionful. It's like right. raw, you know, right. but getting back into blues, I love because it's honest, you know, it, it's open with mm -hmm. its vulnerability of, hey, I might be sad or, hey, this or that. But. And horns, like horns, um, brass bands. Um, I love um, hearing bands perform more so than just the single artist. Because uh, it's instruments. It's the instruments. And you. it's one thing to sit there and push buttons to create your, your track. But when a band comes in and plays your background so that you can sing over it. It's just the overwhelming experience that, that I mean, it's a, it's, it's more, how can I say it? It's a deeper, more sincere experience. Yeah. Cause you're getting these people to come together and make this sound with different instruments that, you know, and it's oh, all, yeah. it's all harmony. Yeah. It's oh, a beautiful yeah. thing. And I could tell you, you're like me a lot in that. We just like psychology. We like the way the brain, or at least have an interest in the way the brain works. Mm -hmm. Cause you want to, you're trying, you want to help take care of other people. You want to see why, what put them in that position, maybe while they're struggling. Right. And also with music, you noticed your interest necessarily wasn't in like creating the playlist, but it was seeing, oh, this song affects this person that right. way. Yeah. Right. So it's more on the psychological right. side. Right. And you get to tie in being creative with that. That's the best part. It's like a blank canvas. So many DJs um, are, are highly skilled in their technical art, which is knowing how to use a, how to uh, scratch with the crossfader or uh, use, using a lot of. Uh, additional features of your board to do EDM um, or, or long blends and mixes 
uh, or laying down four tracks on top of each other uh, to mix and match songs uh, and beats. That's not my forte. I, I've never stated that I could. I was the guy that could do all of that and do all of it well, uh, and, I, and that was never my focus. The only thing that I realized that I could do was look at a room and read a room and figure out what the people might want to hear. Right. It's not, it doesn't always happen 100% correct because there's going to be somebody who don't want to hear that song right now. Uh, there's always going to be someone that's in a different mood than everyone else. But the one thing that got me into actually picking up a soundboard and doing something with it was that one aspect of the one talent that I was told time and time again, this is something you can do. The rest of it just comes with practice right. for, for me. Some people, it's the other way around. They know they know all the bells and whistles and how to use them on the board. I don't even use all the functions of my board. Um, uh, and they, they can mix and master track. They can produce their own music, which is great. There's a huge talent that's way deeper than I've ever gotten into with this. But the one thing that made sense to me is being able to look into a room, figuring out where they are, how they feel, and what I can give them to keep it going. Yeah. You know, how I can right. relate to that with my show is I'm not like an audio engineer. I say this all the time. The reason I like the app that I use is it's really easy to do segments and drag and drop and drag and drop. And like you have a respect and understanding of the people that can get onto the technical side. I have the same thing going on my end, yeah. too. You know, and yeah. that's what I like. Why I like doing this show is to try to maybe if there's somebody else out there who always wanted to start a show, but always was thought it was way impossible or it's really hard mm -hmm. now they have me for reference of oh if he can do it i can do it absolutely and so same thing coming from your perspective somebody might be overwhelmed by the thought of being a dj because all this and now they hear they see you perform or see you you know do your thing and i'm like wait a second you know this is possible right. and then you get to like maybe i can just ask you this then if you had somebody who came up to you and said hey i started because you or at least somebody said hey i'm interested you absolutely. got some tips for me absolutely Absolutely. I get a call probably about once a week once right a week. now yeah. uh, from and sometimes it might be the same person. But about once a week, I get a call from someone saying, hey, how did you do that? Uh, which company did you go to to get this? Uh, remember that song? How did you make that song work? Or, um, you know, how did you get started? And, and my story has been from the, you know, from the ground up. Just get out there and practice and don't be scared to. Uh, give yourself a try yeah. at an audience. Um, and I was so nervous the first time to just give myself a try in an audience. And I phrase it that way because this is something I've already been doing at home, but it's way different when you have someone to play for. What I might like to hear at home may not be what this crowd is going to ask me for. So although it was, it was fun and games at home, when you get out there, it's like, okay, I'm not playing for myself anymore. Yeah. I'm playing for the people um, but we got out there and we had fun with it. Uh, I think my first 10 gigs, I don't even think I charged anyone because I was nervous about doing the wrong thing. Um, and before you know it, I was the Friday night DJ at the, the first spot that I started playing at. That Ice House. What Ice House was it? We can do a plug real quick for him um, or just it's mention. It's called the uh, 40 Acres Sports Bar. Uh, it's off of Reed and Cullen in South Park Sunnyside. There you go. Uh, the owner is a good friend of mine. He's a fellow attorney as well. Okay. Uh, a really nice spot. Um, I describe it as an ice house. He calls it a sports bar, but it's got that ice house feel to it. It's very open in the area. It's got a front front yard and a backyard 
where people can hang out on the patio. Yeah, it's not pretentious. Um, it's real laid back. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Very cool people. Um, uh, very cool guests. It's an older crowd. Um, we listen to more uh, blues, Zydeco, soul, I might like this. I might like this one um, myself. You know, uh, analogous kind of to an old school juke joint. Yeah. yeah. You hit me with the Zydeco and the blues. I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm gonna go. I can't wait to go back to New Orleans, man. I mm-hmm. love that place. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, specifically last time I was in New Orleans was like the day before we started shutting everything down, uh, tying into the shutdown, man, with this whole, uh, issue with COVID, obviously that affects you a lot. You know, we can't, if there's no bars to go to, you can't go DJ. So how have we, how have you been dealing with this issue? Um, I've just been spending the time with family. Um, my son was born in the middle of COVID-19 on March 24th. Um, and, and my birthday was uh, April 9th, and uh, both of those events happened in the middle of COVID-19, uh, but with a newborn, you know, uh, and especially in the middle of COVID-19, when everything else is shut down, you realize what is most important um, when, when there's not all these additional distractions out there. Um, and so I just spent more time with family. It was a perfect time to do it, uh, to be a supporting cast for my wife. Um, running all the earrings for her and for a little man. Um, in regards to music, once you get used to DJing, you have a rhythm, you have this groove. It felt weird the first couple of Thursday and Friday nights when I wasn't DJing. And so I'll go upstairs and I have a, I have a actual vinyl setup um, with um, scratch needles um, for scratch vinyl and battle mixing and so i would go upstairs um in, in my small studio and or the lab as they would call it yeah. and just play around just to just to you know alleviate that itch that i get because i'm so used to grooving yeah. on a thursday night or a friday that's night. how you decompress more so absolutely. than just like affecting the room you do do it for yourself as well absolutely absolutely this was this was my way of uh, decompressing and detox if you will uh, from the day-to-day challenges, yeah. my day-to-day challenges with my uh, juveniles. I represent young kids who have aggravated robberies with deadly weapons who might be facing 40 years in prison. Uh, and that's a lot for a 15-year-old. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so... In turn, when, puts a lot on you. Absolutely. Um, and to go from that and take care of your home, you know, at some point in time, and a lot of lawyers may not even talk about it, but uh, at some point in time, a lawyer is going to feel like they need a way out. Um, and so music is kind of my way out. It's the thing that calms me. Yeah. Um, to keep you from going insane. Absolutely. I'm that guy that turns on my little Bluetooth speaker when I'm taking a shower just because it's something that just calms my nerves. and keeps me at a place. It keeps yeah. me level, if you will. And also can keep, you know, yeah, it keeps you level. That's a perfect mm-hmm. way to put it. That's what I was almost trying to get at. Um, I was kind of, I was almost thinking when you had the, you had the sun recently, it's like, it's not a bummer because of the timing, but it's like, oh, you had a sun and all this stuff's going on. But at the same time, it did allow you to be home more. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause you didn't, you weren't going out Thursdays and Fridays to where maybe if everything was still open the whole time, then you're mm-hmm. sacrificing. Mm-hmm. You're saying, Hey, I can't make it this Thursday or Friday. And you're canceling shows because you're, of course your son's a first priority. Absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with that. But at least now you didn't have to sacrifice shows right. in order to be there for family. Right. And in fact, um, having him has created a certain level of uh, it's given me more inspiration. Mm-hmm. It's gotten me want to grind harder now um, 
to find spots that um, that can uh, hire me for more gigs on the weekends or to find more creative ways to make um, more additional money to come in the home. Um, not for being in need of money because my day job pays well, but uh, for the sake that I have someone else in my household that I need to take care of. Uh, and I want to make sure that he had a, a better upbringing than my own um, financially. Right. You know, uh, in my household, the love was there. The care was there. My parents were supportive. Uh, and yes, I had both parents in my home. Um, and so I have no complaints. Uh, the only thing is that we struggle, you know, from time to time. And so if I can alleviate some of that struggle, I'd like to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And set him up to be able to accomplish what he's eventually going to want to accomplish. You want to give him yeah. every opportunity and open door, like making sure college is covered if he wants to go right, that route. Right. And, or, that, and, that, and that's my, that's my, that's the key part of the financial portion. Like he'll, yeah. he'll be taken care of at home. We, we feed him well and take care of him, but want to make sure that college portion is taken care of. Right. So we were mm-hmm. talking about, it's not just, we we're talking about off air. You've done wedding uh, weddings before and you're down to do other gigs. So, Mm-hmm. More so than just, hey, it's not just a bar DJ. You're also right. entrepreneur. Like you got your side business. Absolutely. Um, I, I have done weddings and I will do more. Um, um, I've done a lot of crawfish boils out here uh, in the Houston area. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done daytime party events. I've done charity events for just just here alone at Bogies. Um, there was a young man who had an illness and we did a large charity event here and that's what actually got me started to play at Boggies um, because everyone that was a daytime regular uh, had opportunity to uh, enjoy that day yeah. uh, and listen to some good music um, and so I've done three charity events here one was for an officer who uh, had been diagnosed with a high stage of cancer um, We've done some auctions here for, there's another young lady, I believe, I believe she had some kind of cancer as well. Uh, and, and that was just, that was just for, for the sake of, you yeah. know, to, to be supportive of our own local community. But all in all, crawfish balls, I do them. Daytime parties, I do them. House parties, I do them. Um, clubs, bar and grills, I do them. Um, if you're more country, I, I can get with it. Um, Tejano, I've, I've gotten pretty decent with it. I need to get a few more songs. Yeah. But uh, I can definitely. Um, You're versatile. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, and I'm willing to learn more. I'm always willing to talk to someone ahead of time. Say, hey, what do you think about this track? Uh, and, and also, one thing that um, I learned from an old school DJ is to always be able to accept music from an up and coming artist. Um, not too long ago, there was an artist out of I believe he's out of Alabama and I heard his track on someone else's YouTube page and I contacted him and gave me a song for free to play and uh, I've been playing it ever since sadly enough I don't remember his name right now but I can can remember his song you get back to me with the name and I'll add it into the post for sure yeah Um, and so you know we grow together I take that mindset let's let's grow together let's have fun together let's do things together uh, you want to have that team. It's nice yeah. to have a team of people yeah. you can network with. Right. You know, like right. now, you know, you can reach out to me or I can reach out to you. Mm-hmm. Hey, we might know mm-hmm. somebody that can help each other. Hey, I got mm-hmm. somebody doing a graduation party. Right. I got the DJ for you. Right. And you're like, hey, right. I know somebody who's a badass photographer. You need to come have her on your show. Right. Absolutely. That's what it's about. Absolutely. And um, I'll be glad to 
Yeah, I get goosebumps. Dude, like, goosebumps just talking about it, dude. I love this stuff. It's fun. And and uh, the lady who baked this red velvet, I'll be glad to share her information. Daniela Barrera. Uh, she definitely received two thumbs up from me. Hell yeah! Hopefully the wife <laughs> likes it. I got another cupcake for you. To take home to the ladies. Hopefully, hopefully she enjoys it. Um, so plug yourself real quick. Where can we find you on all the social media? Okay, uh, my DJ name is DJ Hearsay. Uh, hearsay is a legal objection. Um, Love that. Okay. Um, um, at DJ Hearsay 808 on um, on Instagram and Facebook. 808 was just a kind of a head nod to the old school rolling 808 beat machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of old school hip hoppers use that beat machine to get a low low heart bass in their tracks. Uh, and so it's at DJ Hearsay 808 um, on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, email me at djhearsay808 at gmail. I do have a web page. I have not constructed it fully, but um, that's coming in the near future, and it's djhearsay.com. And I might have um, a buddy that maybe can help you out here and there. Maybe y'all can talk. And Okay. See, that's what I love about this. Okay. And yeah, we put people in touch. He's really good yeah. with setting up webs, run some websites for people. And like we were talking off air, I hate social media. And then you're talking, about, I don't hate it, but I just, I don't know all the technicalities and doing it the right way. And in this, like the industry we're in, you got to do it to promote. Correct. So you were talking about that with Instagram. It's like, man, it's like a couple uh, of pictures here and there. I, but And that's all I really have on there. Uh, my business has been word of mouth. Um, uh, you know, I've always been the type to shake your hand and give you a card. Yeah. But in the DJ world, it moves a lot faster than that. Um, social media is a key element of it. People want to hear your sound. They want to see who you are. They want to know what you can do. And so, pers- and I'm preaching to the choir. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I'm not really preaching to the choir because I haven't really done it yet. But I'm, I'm actually motivating myself as I say this. Like, I need to do more yeah. <laughs> on social media. So, I'm like preaching to myself is what I meant to say. Yep. Uh, I got to- a friend, uh, Lisa, who might be able to help you with the social media part, okay. too. And yeah. uh, as we're winding down here, I got about a minute left. Um Dang, I just had a blank on what I was talking about. We're talking about the social media and preaching to the choir. Um, yeah, man, I drew a blank. But anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's just, it's good. Uh, you know, we get the word out and getting to meet new people, talk to new people, hear new mm-hmm. stories. Um, I'm definitely going to have you on again because really we could keep talking uh, and do another 30, 30 minutes. So hopefully in the next couple of weeks, once maybe you start getting to do a couple shows again, yeah, then we can come back on and kind of have an update on maybe like how the post COVID scene is like as far as music and stuff goes. Absolutely, be glad to. Uh, I've definitely been preparing for some. So I, I got some cool tricks uh, along the way that I'm ready to use. Okay, I've been practicing since uh, COVID nineteen has forced me to stay at home. So I've done a lot more, taking more time in practice. Practice. All right. I appreciate you having you on. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Thanks again to Mr. Rodney Brown, a.k.a. DJ Hearsay, for meeting up with me to share a little about himself. I'll definitely, 100% for sure, be meeting up with him again i run into him at least once a week uh so yeah i can't wait to sit down especially once he's able to start booking shows i want to have him on i personally personally feel like he and i have a lot in common as far as reading emotions wanting to help others and just being intrigued by the brain 
If you have any events on the horizon, such as weddings, cook-offs, retirement parties, graduation parties, any private events, make sure and do me a solid by looking into booking DJ Hearsay. The man pays great attention to detail and everything he brings to the table is very well calculated and with purpose. Besides having a chance to book an awesome DJ who can read the room, once you have a chance to talk to him personally, I'm sure you'll be left very impressed by the person that he is. I know I was. Also, thanks again to Daniela from Crabum Cakes. Somewhere down the line, I'm sure I'll have her on as a guest for her own episode. I want to thank my job, Bogey's Pub and Grill. It's located in Pearland, specifically my manager, Jeremy, for letting us record the conversation portion of this episode before I clocked in to start my day shift. I've worked at plenty of places over the years who would not have been as accommodating. So again, a big thanks for Jeremy at Bogey's. Make sure you ask for him if I'm not there when you visit. I've already started working on my episode for next week, and I'm really excited about it because it's helping with this show's transition from strictly talking to creative people into having guests on who serve their communities in some capacity. I'm not going to reveal any other information about it right now because I want to leave you waiting and very curious. So be sure to stay tuned to future episodes of Cake and Conversation. Subscribe, share with others, and most importantly, just click play. Just a minute of your time playing, it counts as a view for me. So, I mean, honestly, you can click click play and click mute. Just, I like the views. And I hope in turn you enjoy the show. I also hope everyone's doing their best to improve themselves and others around them on a daily basis. You can't build a house in one day, but if you can keep adding bricks, eventually you'll accomplish what you set out to accomplish. So take care, everyone.